welcome once again to Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you? I am fine, Phil. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, for folks who are new to the podcast, this is a podcast that discusses uh, the television show Westworld. Uh, each episode, uh, we record a, a critique and then release it a day or two after the episode has aired. This is uh, for season three of that HBO series based on a Michael Crichton's uh, movie from the 70s. And... Uh, it is uh, produced uh, by uh, Christopher Nolan's brother, Jonathan Nolan, and uh, his wife, Jonathan Nolan's wife, uh, Lisa. Uh, the film, or I should say, uh, the series has been three seasons now, and we are here uh, to discuss. Uh, our website is darkdiscussions.com. Uh, basically, that is the Umbrella podcast for this podcast, so you can find all the episodes of this podcast there. Also, we have an email, darkdiscussions at AOL.com, and we have a Facebook group, Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. Also, uh, there's two RSS feeds you can find this podcast on, and that's pretty much wherever podcasts are found. So you can either search for Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, or Dark Discussions podcast, uh, because this episode will be on the Dark Discussion podcast feed, which is a weekly uh, f feed for our main podcast, which basically discusses genre films weekly. Um, but the Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast feed just has this podcast. Um, all right, so I guess we can uh, discuss uh, anything and everything related to the episode, but before we do, I guess we should introduce... Some of the things about this episode. This episode is called "The Absence of Field," uh, directed by Amanda Marsalis and written by Denise uh, Thee. Uh, came out March 29th, 2020. We are recording this uh, the next day, uh, March 30th, 2020. Uh, last week's episodes uh, had 780,000 viewers watch it live, um, but as Mike. Um, you'll probably want to bring up in a moment. Um, you've read some stuff that uh, the numbers for both episode one and two are actually slightly higher or very much higher based off of streaming services. Um, and uh, the absence of field, uh, I did find the definition of what that is. It's from a mock strand poem called The Absence of Field, I believe. And, it's called uh, Keeping Things Whole. Ah, oh, that's it. You're right. Keeping things whole, which includes the lines. In a field, I am the absence of field. This is always the case. Wherever I am, I am what is missing. Um, so I guess we can talk a little about that, too, in a moment. But, uh, Mike, I, I saw you posted something on, on Facebook. Uh, I think it was early last week about the numbers are actually much better based off of some uh, well, articles you read. It, de it depends on it. I don't know if the numbers are much better. I know it's how they how you interpret the numbers. So the numbers are down, but Westworld is also still the most highly watched show on HBO as of, you know, the last couple of weeks that it aired. Um, whether it's holds true for the third week, I don't know. 
Uh, and I think I mentioned it in last week's podcast that while the viewership for initial viewing is down, the viewership for as a percentage for streaming it is up. So where it used to be like a 70-30 split, now it's more of a 50-50 split. So it just may show a change in viewing patterns. Um, so it really is depending on, you know, whatever math HBO uses to decide whether this show is justified in keeping its existence around. You know, we've talked about this on the main podcast uh, about shows like on Netflix where you don't have normal ratings. And... You know, we don't it's hard to say is someone still subscribing to Netflix because they just aired, you know, the third season of, of uh, Ozark or the previous last year, the third season of Stranger Things. You know, how do we know that that's, you know, I'm sure they see the streaming numbers, but whether that gets how do they know if that's keeping them or netting them subscribers? I have no idea. I'm sure they have people who have paid, been paid fairly well to come up with numbers to crunch these things. Same issue here with HBO. They're dealing with subscribers more than they're dealing with ratings. You know, they're not paid by advertisers. They are paid by people subscribing to HBO now, and they're paid indirectly through, um, like, Cablevision and, and Time Warner and the rest of those cable services. So who knows? And now that HBO, you got HBO Max coming, you know, as a new screen streaming service, how much does content matter there? It, it's it's really hard to say. The main thing is, in the end, it's nice to see if a show is doing well because then you know you're going to continue to get it. Um, but I still think you know we as viewers are should mainly be concerned with what's on the screen rather than you know what's going on in the green eye shade wing of the HBO offices. Right, right. No, and that's fair. That's fair. Uh, it's just a curiosity because um, based off of viewership determines whether or not we will be lucky or not to have a show canceled. Right. So. Right. Um, well, I think. I mean, we are a <laughs> we are a sports infused culture, and we always we want to keep score. And I want my show to beat your show. You know, that's kind of how I think some people think about it. I want my movie to beat your movie. Um, and it, it's really possible for two movies to open up and, you know, second and third in the box office and do better at that position than the movie that opened up number one, but it doesn't matter. We want to know what the score was, you know, it's a way of keeping things simple and black and white, or at least we think it does. And we also don't like to think about the, the, the difficulty and the nuance of maybe those aren't fair assessments. So anyway, I understand the desire to do it. I'm not saying I'm not guilty of it too. But again, as long as we get the show we want and it continues to be high quality, you know, I have to remember that the ratings aren't that significant. They will be significant if the show is canceled. Right, right, exactly. I agree. The only reason I consider ratings is specifically whether or not uh, it has success for viewership because that means whether or not it will be canceled. Uh, because, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I know um, there's all sorts of people that um, keeps score on everything, like, uh, is Led Zeppelin better than the Beatles and all this other crap? And uh, I remember last summer, um, Taylor Swift and Tool fans were fighting over who was better, and, and it doesn't even, I mean, because of who opens up number one, and it's like, who it's cares? Cool. It's, yeah, it's, well, that, I think no matter, no matter what, what was the, the line from the Alien vs. Predator film, no matter who wins, we lose. <laughs> Well, I don't know. A lot of there's a lot of Tool fans and there's a lot of Taylor Swift fans. But my point is, is that 
it really doesn't matter because if you like either band or singer, it's your prerogative and who cares where it falls, right? So, so yeah, it's, it doesn't really matter except in this case for television, uh, for survival, not being canceled. Because uh, we have seen some shows like Mindhunter on Netflix that people thought was successful, but something odd happened where it was canceled. Even though um, David Fincher claimed that he wanted to go off and do films again, he kind of was, you know, was the showrunner, but he still let other folks run the show. So you figure something happened. You know, it's just weird. You just don't know, you know. Um, and Netflix so, has a habit of canceling shows after two or three seasons because they, they I guess, they, those shows drew in the viewers they wanted to. They're not doing it anymore. You know, they're just keeping the viewers they had, and so now they got to jump on to the next hot thing, like the this Tiger Show or whatever it is. Yeah, right. Yeah, or Ozark season three that just came out. That's everybody's talking about that too. Uh, um, no, no, I don't know that everybody's talking about it. You're talking about it constantly. Right. Well, well, well. The 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 the, uh, the, the, the people that I'm linked to on uh, Facebook um, are, are talking about it. My, my wife was letting me know because she was saying, "Oh, look at this theory that uh, uh, Kenzie just mentioned." Uh, this is a cool theory, and, and then we write. I go, yeah, that's actually possible. Yeah, so, so at least the folks that I, I'm linked to on, on social media. Yeah, but that's because you're see- you're seeking those people out. I'm linked to a Facebook group on Westworld and a Facebook group on Better Call Saul, but I'm under no delusion. That means everybody is. It's just the people I that there are people I associate with who are, you know. And it, it just really depends on what it is, and that's where the, the world we're living in, where you know the old. Uh, you know, half the country watching the season finale of MASH, those days are over with. Now this is all about grabbing onto a, a niche audience and holding onto it tight. Right? And that's really where your success is coming in. Yeah, Stuff that, yeah, the high, the highest rated shows today, even though the populations have increased dramatically, you know, the pi- highest rated shows today would have gone canceled 30 years ago as a terrible flop. That's actually absolutely true. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, and for folks who are interested in uh, Ozark, uh, Dark Discussions did an episode 429. Me and Eric uh, did an episode on that, discussing seasons one and two to get ready for season three. So folks can uh, find that at the darkdiscussions.com um, or Dark Discussions podcast, uh, Facebook, uh, you know, RSS feed. Uh, Eric, you're going to say something. Yeah, I, I, I got to call you out on that one, Phil. We did not do that discussion to get ready for season three. We recorded that about a year ago. <laughs> Probably, actually, I think 16 months ago. Wait, 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 wait. In his defense, Phil was ready for season three 16 months ago. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But actually, my wife's already saying, are you telling me that we're going to have to wait another 16 months for season four? Uh, so, there is yeah. a season four. Yeah, yeah, because Netflix cancels everything. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but uh, based off of uh, the last episode of season three of Ozark, it looks like they're they're ready to go for season four. Uh, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So so what we did was sit on the episode, uh, edit it up, and and release it uh, the week before season three. So even though we recorded it 16 months ago, it, it was perfect to release uh, a week ago. So uh, episode four twenty nine. Everybody should check it out. Sorry, I couldn't just let that slide. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, 
let's see. Uh, what else uh, does anybody want to talk about that's related to Westworld that's generic uh, to the series? Uh, is there anything anybody wanted to bring up? Yeah, I, I will say the Westworld group that I belong to, I, I signed up for it last week because I wanted to have some discussion about things in general. Um, and boy, there's people there have promote no- the podcast. Promote the podcast. Uh, I'm planning on it. I just got in there. I didn't want to be too rude and just jump in there. Hi, I'm new. Listen to my fucking podcast. I kind of, you know, I, I kind of that. Yeah, I hate when people do that. <laughs> um. But, yeah, there's a lot of people who have no fucking clue what they're talking about when they're watching the show. It's amazing to me. And mm-hmm. these are people who are dedicated fans of the show. Or like, they're missing things that are completely spelled out to you on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're missing it. And I'm just like, why are they still watching well, it in three seasons if they're this confused? <laughs> That's a good question, Mike. But you also got to remember that not, not everybody watches media the same way that we do. Uh, we go in looking for things to talk about and looking to understand, looking to dissect, where a lot of people just want to sit down and be entertained and may not engage their brains as much as we do. No, I mean people – I'm talking about people who are thinking um, – I understand like people who may not get that the writers have told us previously, <clears throat> and they could have been bullshitting us, but they have told us previously that – uh, Teddy is not going to be one of the five pearls that were smuggled out of the park mm-hmm. based on the rules they set up. I get that people may have missed that or may have forgotten that. Those are small details that I get. I'm talking about like last week's episode when they couldn't figure out um, like that Maeve was in a simulation the whole time. Oh. Right, so after well, it's that's unfortunate. <laughs> Right. Like, yeah, even after it's, stuff it's, is floating in midair, they don't get it's a simulation. Well, well, they even actually say it. Maeve comes out and says it's yeah, a simulation. Yeah, they, they, they flat out said it, yes. Yeah, yes. That, yeah, that's, yeah that, that too. So that's that's what I'm talking about. Okay, and it's just kind of like, uh, um, and somebody else saying, this isn't Westworld, this isn't what Westworld is about, referring to this season. It's like, well, this has been, they're taking Westworld and trying to turn it into Terminator. It's like, this is literally what the show has been about since the first episode. <laughs> Pretty much, and yeah. in fact, in fact, the first the the movie it's based on is where you know there's like an inspiration for Terminator, right, right, right. Yeah, oh no, there, there's a, a scene. There's a scene in this episode that I was impressed with because it goes back all the way to the beginning of season two when, when, uh, or even maybe even season one where where uh, Charlotte's character. Um, is trying to d- download stuff out and send it outside the park, and now uh, that storyline is a year and a half later is is being answered, and so it was all planned. You know, I don't think they just had that. You know, are you season and a half ago, and then suddenly said, "Gee, what should we do with it?" No, they probably had it all planned from the beginning. Well, I think a lot, like a lot of these things, they have them planned out in broad strokes. And then, but they're not going to sacrifice the quality of season one because of something they may want to do in season four. <clears throat> that may right. never come. So, right. well, right. And plus the specifics are there. Just, I'm sure they had first season is was what it was. Second season will begin the up, up, robot uprising in the park. Third season we will move out to the, you know, to the start of it in the real world. And then you know we'll see. I'm sure season, you know. If you know, to use a chess term, if season three now is the opening uh, of the um, 
the world, then you're going to get the middle game kind of in season four. And I think was Westworld one where they said they had five seasons planned. You know, in season five would sort of be the end game. You know, so I could kind of see all of that progressing. So I think they're just going to kind of be repeating themselves season one and season two in three and four, except it's set in the real world and not set in the park. And which, by the way, everyone is thinking everybody is fake and everything is a simulation. There's people who believe that nothing is real. It's just they, they, they really got them spooked from the, the tricks that they pulled in the previous two seasons. Right, right. Well, and yeah, they they could go anywhere. Uh, they could they could make the whole thing a matrix. Who knows what they could do? So, uh, the whole thing's a computer program. Who knows? I mean, we'll, we'll figure it out uh, as we get closer to um, the end game, as as you you called it. I mean, a lot of, a lot of movies. There was a movie called Thirteen Floor, which is a re- was a really good film that came out like the same week as the Matrix. And because of that, it it got like buried and, and disappeared. But I saw it at the theaters and. It's a phenomenal uh, film about simulations and s- simulations within a simulation and stuff. So uh, a lot of this stuff is, is, has been around for a while, and uh, they could go any route. Um, or they could keep it in the real world as well. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll discuss some of that based off of what we saw in this episode here. But once they threw in the Mave simulation of last week, that definitely opens up that they could go anywhere. Uh, related to quote-unquote fakeness, I guess. Um, before we, we uh, continue, uh, I know we do have a, a email tonight, Mike. We do. Let's see. Yes, we do have a, an email from the one and only Ginger from the North. And that What's would this be the Sean, Fox thing? And that would be Sean Fox. But there's no sound that no one knows. What does the Fox say? So here we go. So Sean Fox writing to us about uh, season three, episode three of Westworld. Hey, gang, as I write this email at 3 a.m. ish watching True Romance, I reflected on my thoughts of episode three. First off, I hope you and all your listeners are healthy and safe right now. It is pretty scary no matter where you are. Distraction is needed, at least for me, from the anxiety and overwhelming fear and negativity that feels like it is everywhere. So again, you guys are providing a very important service. It's nice to pretend, even for a little bit, that you can escape the madness. Thank you for offering that and being the awesome souls you are. Just because you're so awesome, your souls are safe from my evil ginger ways. What does a ginger know about souls? Anyway. Now, episode three was not quite what I was expecting at all. I figured it would follow Dolores more, but I was not expecting the emotions it would challenge me with. Both in the Charlotte mystery of who is she really and her eventual channeling of the original Charlotte, all the while her son knowing she is not his mother. Tessa Thompson's ability to show so many facets and twists was fantastic. But it was the reveal with Caleb and being told his predicted destiny that really hit me. It was a sense of darkness, hopelessness, and sadness. Resonating on multiple levels due to my own personal battles with anxiety, depression, and surviving a suicide attempt. The feeling of not only being told that you have seemingly no choice or semblance of directing your destiny, but also that the choice, quote-unquote, choice you were saddled with 
is suicide by the constructed system you are merely a cog in. It was quite an episode and shows the strength and depth that makes Westworld so fascinating. As well as giving the actors and actresses some real range to delve into and shine. But enough of my rantly ways for this week. Thank you, gentlemen, for your banter and breakdowns only you can offer. Take care and harass you next week. That is what this fox says. LOL. Sean from St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. What does the fox say? Yeah, and a lot of those things that he's uh, mentioned are things that we're probably going to be bringing up for sure. Oh, I'm uh, sure. So, yeah, I mean, that those are important things. Um, and it is interesting uh, how they went about this episode because uh, Dolores wasn't the lead in the episode, and yet her shadow was upon the entire episode. So uh, it is curious how that worked. And then, of course, uh, the backstories, some uh, what of the backstories to the Charlotte uh, imposter as well as um, the Caleb character. Uh, yeah, they seem to be following a, a two-person structure this season. Um, episode one focused on Dolores and Caleb predominantly. Um, episode two, of course, focused on, um, Maeve and Bernard predominantly. And then episode three is predominantly on Charlotte and Caleb again. I did notice, uh, an interesting aspect of this episode's credits. Um, of course the, the three main actors, uh, were listed, Evan Rachel Wood, um, uh, Tandy Newton, and then, uh, um, Jeffrey Wright. Um, and then from there, it said Tessa Thompson and then, you know, the handful of other people in it, but it does not list any secondary character, um, that isn't on this episode. So for example, last week they had Hemsworth listed in the mm-hmm. credits, but he wasn't listed today episode. So they've been, they've been, uh, keeping the main three actors listed and then everybody else, uh, depending on their, if they're in the episode. Or so they didn't it. even have, I, uh, I, I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. Cause I've seen Ed Harris in the credits and he hasn't yeah, been in an episode yet. That's true. Well, they have at the very end, they always list Vincent Cassell and Ed Harris. That's true mm-hmm. because they're like bigger names. I mean, Vincent Cassell is like, uh, a God over in Europe and, and Ed Harris is, is obviously a big name here in the States. So, uh, but everybody else in between those two and the three leads, they leave in, in or out depending on, uh, who's in the episode. At least that's what I've noticed for the first three episodes. Mike, you're going to say something. Um, I was going to say, I'm trying to think the regulars on the show that we know are regulars. Um, the only other one that appeared this week that I can think of was the actor who plays, um, uh, the Scottish actor played Chibs on Sons of Anarchy. Yep. Yeah. Um, I forget his name. Was he, (laughs) yeah. Was he mentioned in the credits? Uh, I don't know if he was, uh, if I, if he was, I, I, I'm like, I here, I forget his name. Right. So Tommy Flanagan, that's it, right? That's it. Tommy Flanagan. Yeah. Yes. So, so I believe he was listed, but he, he may even be considered a third character. In other words, you know, you have your regulars and then you have your supporting cast and then you have your your third character sets that aren't really main characters but make appearances, you know, recurring roles. So I, I don't know if he would be considered a recurring role or part of the main cast, you know. 
It's a good question. Anything else anybody want to bring up related to Westworld that's not specific to the episode itself? All right, so let's uh, get into the episode. So uh, we'll critique and analyze. So spoilers alert and all that. Um, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely already have seen the, the show anyway. Um, all right, so what do we want to start with? Where, where do we want to go? Uh, what what um, do you guys think about the... Ter- Oh, Eric, yeah, you just start something. You can say. I was just going to say that I'm getting this this whole guessing game about who's in uh, Tessa Thompson's body is becoming tiresome for me. Uh, I, I don't think it's fun anymore. They should have told us this episode. Um, the fact that they didn't is really uh, kind of irritating me. Um, and I will also say that I think Tessa Thompson is getting kind of screwed on this show uh, because this is the second time she's been tasked with playing a personality in Charlotte's body that's not Charlotte, but we don't know who it is, so we can't tell if she's doing a good job. Uh, <laughs> so I feel kind of bad for Tessa Thompson in that regard. Well, we can kind of tell We're going to have to come back and watch it again to figure out whether she was doing a good job of portraying who she was supposed to be portraying. Right. Uh, well, that's funny because I was going to ask that. That was my question. Was was going to ask the Tessa Thompson and not being announced who it was. Uh, but you, you pretty much summed it up there. But uh, actually, yeah, let's do that. Let's let's go around and discuss uh, what we thought of the episode. Mike, what, what did you think of this episode? I liked it. I, I agree with Eric. This was frustrating because they have so many conversations about her identity. Uh, about Charlotte Hale's identity or the, the the identity of the Pearl, direct conversations with Dolores. And this is a good example of like the lazy writing you get in movies and TV where it's, oh my God, you have to do exactly what I say right now. I can't, I don't have time to explain it to you. And all they, you know, and, and that, and the amount of time they said that, they could have just said, and if you don't do that, Joey's going to die. They could have just gotten that out of the way, you know, <laughs> but it's to build false conflict and false suspense or to keep the, the viewer kind of in the dark. I, I don't think there was really a reason for that here. Um, I know it ties into the theme and they want the viewer to get her sense of, of confusion and leave the viewers a little bit confused, but I think it's still kind of cheap and lazy writing for them to not do it. I understand why they did it. I just found it a little frustrating and I really wish that we had gotten that answer here. And as far as I can tell, people are still divided who it was. I see lots of different possibilities based on what we saw tonight or well, last few. night. What? There's a few. No, there's a few. And there's some clues scattered in here and there. Um, and you can name me a couple of people and I can make the arguments uh, for any of those people being who Charlotte Hale is. Um, well, Mike, how, do you, how do you like this episode? I'm getting to it. Uh, so that aside, <laughs> sorry, I did just bust you. Yeah, no. So that putting, but taking that and putting that aside, I did like the episode a lot. Um, I like the idea of using metadata uh, to, which is really going well. Right now, we use metadata to sort of predict people and read people and who they are. And but the idea of now taking that metadata and projecting them down the road, and in this particular case, the real bomb or whatever it's called, to actually start manipulating people into that end, um, 
I liked. There was uh, the idea of the the conflict, the self conflict with Charlotte. I liked. Um, so yeah, and and I think uh, Everett Rachel Wood was very good as a very strong and confident uh, manipulator behind the scenes as Dolores. Uh, and there was one thing which we'll talk more about that I did not pick up until my second rewatch as to what was going on. And, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that has to do with the, the, the messages that Charlotte was being sent. Hmm. Uh, interesting. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I actually was, uh, dreading watching this, not because I, I didn't enjoy this season or the first two episodes, but um, uh, the whole weekend, me and my wife were blowing through Ozark season three. And so anything after that was going to be a letdown for just a you know random third episode of a season versus Sunday night. Okay. We watched the All last right. three. Ladies and gentlemen, we're commencing the new Westworld podcast drinking game. Every time Phil mentions Ozark season three, or please take a drink. <laughs> Right, and so Ozark season three watched the, the last three episodes of the season last night, and so I didn't have time to finish this episode of Westworld until this afternoon for lunch. Um, and so uh, I did notice some things that were, were kind of cheesy, in a sense, like like when uh, Caleb meets the two guys that, I guess, uh, kidnap him. Uh, one of them says, oh, I'm surprised you don't remember a fellow uh, associate. And things like that. In other words, they're giving us uh, expedition in the the sentences between the two, and it kind of was was a little cheesy. So I was like, all right. Um, but uh, all in all, uh, besides some some of those minor issues, um, I felt the episode was pretty pretty solid. Uh, obviously, the yeah the Tessa Thompson not knowing getting the final answer uh, kind of was was disappointing. Uh, though I do disagree with Eric, I, I felt she she was really good, similar to what Sean Fox said in the email. Um, though her storyline isn't as interesting to me as uh, Maves or Dolores herself. So, um, as an episode, the the storylines, even though uh, really fantastic with their ideas, uh, the characters they focused on weren't characters that I, I really. Uh, have much invested in compared to other characters on the show. So that made it a downbeat for me. But the whole metadata thing, um, especially, was really, really cool, as was um, the interesting aspect when Charlotte's um, character kills someone and her fighting the steroids and hormones of the body that she's in and her computer program of whoever she is supposed to be, uh, is beginning to win out over the steroids and hormones after she does something that I guess she would normally do if she was in her correct, uh, host body. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Uh, so, uh, thumbs up, uh, though, um, it was hard to compare to Ozark season three. Everybody drink. Eric. Um, well, I already stated my dissatisfaction with the whole Charlotte thing. Um, I really liked the, the Dolores and Caleb stuff in this episode. Um, I, I had some more issues with the Charlotte storyline, which it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Like there seem to be fundamental things about the life of Charlotte Hale 
that this host didn't know that it made no sense to me that they wouldn't know like that dude used to live there and she has a kid. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It seems like information that Dolores probably would have gotten out of one of the books she read in season two. Um, especially since she was planning on uh, impersonating her. Um, so it seems like all that information would have been available um, as to not end up in the confusing predicaments that she did in this episode. So I had a little bit of an issue with that. Um, so really, really the Charlotte storyline is the only thing I had an issue with. Love, love Caleb and Dolores. Uh, Vincent Cassell, I don't know. I mean, of course, he's a wonderful actor. Uh, and he's doing a good job of uh, exuding evil. Um, <laughs> but we really don't know what his deal is yet. Um, so waiting waiting to see that. Disappointed we got no Maeve. I want more Maeve in the show. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, I, I generally enjoyed the episode. All right, very good. Uh, yeah, so Eric, I'm, yeah, I'm right there with you about... Uh, who is Charlotte Hale? I, I mean, I think it's kind of cheesy that they just won't tell us. I mean, the conversation between her and uh, uh, Dolores, where mm-hmm. they don't mention who they are or, or anything, when they were doing other weaker exposition moments later in the episode and other scenes between other characters, it was like kind of... Um, I don't know. It kind of pissed me off, actually. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. Well, I think part of it is that Westworld has structured itself in the first two seasons around a mystery, and they're trying to keep things simpler this season. And I understand that, um, but they're still. I think they're still trying to have a mystery, and the only real mystery they have, fundamentally, that to hook the viewers. Can, that's connected to past seasons is who are the pearls uh, and it does seem like they pulled a little sleight of hand on us uh, in this episode although maybe I'm, I'm missing it I'm uh, mistaken uh, so you have the shot of four pearls lined up next to each other because one is in of course Charlotte has uh, not uh, Charlotte Boris has hers and then there's the mystery pearl that's in Charlotte and that's oh the burn uh, too and then and then that's four and one of them so we learned last season that silver pearls were hosts red pearls were people and here we see a red and silver pearl that's kind of like or some marbled granite colored and that's the one for bernard well when we saw dolores at, well holoris whatever dolores and hale's body leaving the island last season and she opens up her bag. There's five pearls in there. None of them have any red in them. So either there was a pearl missing, and she had uh, nards in her pocket, uh, um, or I actually suspect, if I understand correctly, now I'm thinking about it. She recreated Bernard, didn't she? I, yeah, I was going to say I don't think Bernard had a pearl. I think she made him again. Right, so that was the one we made. So Bernard's pearl, so maybe this is a brand new Bernard pearl that maybe is as much Arnold as it is Bernard, and hence the reason for the two-tone. Maybe, yeah, because she created it from her memory. Okay, yeah, so as I'm talking, again, sometimes it helps me to talk about these out loud. So 
then there may still be another pearl out there we haven't seen yet. Um, I will say that the evidence they have kind of from what we've seen connects everything to taking place in the same time frame. Because last week we saw that, uh, what's his name? Um, Bernard? No, oh, no the French guy. Oh, uh, uh, Sirac. Sirac. Uh, we saw Sirac had no idea who Dolores was and learned about Dolores from Maeve. And this week he knows who Maeve is. Uh, not know who, and he knows who Dolores is. And we have established that the current time frame is set somewhere like six to nine months after the Westworld incident in season two. So that kind of puts everything then concurrently going on, right? That we've tied the Maeve storyline, the Dolores storyline, the Charlotte storyline, the, the, the Caleb storyline, and I think probably the Bernard storyline, all to events happening within this same time frame. Assuming that anything is real. Assuming anything is real. Right, right. Yeah, and, and last week's episode is, is going to always plant that seed. Is is it real, what we're saying? Yeah, but I think when you had them actually escape the island at the end of last season, um, and Bernard escaped the island, returned back to the island, I'm sure there's people, I haven't had a chance to go on that uh, that group on Facebook, there's people who are going to think that now Serac is is a program because he disappeared at the end of the episode and they won't get that. He was just a hologram, you know, right. video chat. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Cause they'll miss that. They put the glasses on Charlotte so she could see his message. I, I'm sure those are going to be issues, but yeah, I, I still think that the real world is the real world. It's kind of the whole point of it. Um, and they mentioned that there is a, a virtual world out there, but it's in the real bomb ball, the great magic sphere. Um, it's that it's in there that it's using that that as a simulation, much as uh, we use the cradle back in Westworld. But it's the simulation being used to predict people's behaviors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and uh, uh, we learn a little more about that simulation in the the giant insight ball um, later in this episode with uh, the K loop storyline. Uh, so. So do we want to talk about who do we, since, since we've already danced around it a bit, does anyone have any guesses as to who Charlotte is? No, fuck we that. Get to right. the other tell us. Uh, well, like, I, I mean, like we said last week, um, there's only a handful that can be Charlotte unless they do a do X machina and assuming they don't do a do X machina. Um, we, only have a few characters from the last couple seasons that don't exist in this season. So that would be uh, Anthony Hopkins' character, the Arnold, the character that we've never seen except as a version of Bernard, the one that was Meeve's fellow escort or, or brothel chick. Whore. The word is whore. Yeah, Angela Clementine, uh, Madsen's character. Like, I've lost track of what you're talking about. You're just like right, listing off characters. The characters that aren't in season three that were in season one or two are the only possibilities to be the Charlotte right. imposter. 
And right. so I'm naming wait, wait. all of them off. There were literally dozens of, of hosts that we saw in the last in the first two seasons. So anyone we know. So assuming that they're not. And I know a lot of people are thinking that they're duplicates of of, of Dolores or duplicates of Bernard. And I don't think it's going to be either one of those. I think that's not playing fair with the audience. If this is supposed <laughs> that to be would this. be lame. That would be totally lame. Right. So we know. it. So and we were told that anybody who ended up in the great magic beyond is also not eligible. So Akichita is is out, and um, and Teddy yeah, is but out. It's it's going to be a, a main character. I don't and, teach it. Well, it doesn't. Right, right now, my money is on the Armistice. Well, yeah, I but think, Armistice is new. Is is Tandy's uh, is uh, Maeve's friend, not Dolores's, right? Well, I think that Armistice to me, Armistice is probably playing the Tommy Flanagan character. Because mm-hmm. Armistice is a is Armistice is an enforcer and she's a crack shot. That's her gimmick. But, but she's not friends with Dolores. I don't think she cares. I think Dolores can have control over them. I think she's going to want people loyal to her, but she also needs someone who can strong earn somebody and she could she and she could probably pick up her pearl for that particular role. Um like I don't think I don't think one of them is going to be Hector. Although I think that Flanagan could be Hector, I think it would be more likely to be Armistice. Um, I, 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 still, I, I still can't think Meeve's henchmen would be working for Dolores. I, I don't know that they were all that loyal one way or, or her particularly was all that loyal one way or so another. You're so fond of pointing out, Phil, they're robots. Uh, yeah. Dolores has changed people's behavior in the past, so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Right. Right, but why would Dolores say, I trust you? To well, I didn't the say program I didn't say, has to be trusted. And so I'm not saying as Charlotte, Phil. I said as the Tommy Flanagan character. Okay, fair enough. All right. Um, I think that's one. I was really because I went through the list of the hosts and kind of marked off. I said, "Wait, so like Hector? I think is much more a Maeve thing. I don't think he would that would be quite as easy. So I think for the enforcer for Flanagan, I think Armistice makes oh, sense." Yeah. Oh, oh, you know, no, no, yeah, I think you're right. I, again, I, I still wonder about the, the Maeve loyalty, but Maeve loyalty, but yeah, I, you could be right. Uh, I'm more interested in the Charlotte one, and I, I'm I think thinking, I'm thinking yeah. it's, I think it's the Man in Black. I, I think because of based I off think of season a, one, right. I think there's a possibility that it is that there is a uh, that that there is a pearl that is sort of a Bernard, meaning a pearl based on a real person that whose data they had. Um, so Man in Black could be one of them, but she hates the Man in Black. I think that she's got him locked up in a virtual prison somewhere. So uh, I don't think it's going to be him. Uh, one possibility uh-huh. I thought of. Yes. So she could look at the man in black as the original version of him when he was the younger version, and he was still a good guy to her. Yeah, I don't know that she's. I don't think the current version of her is going to separate the two of them in her mind anymore. She knows that that they're the same person. Okay, so who else could it be then if it's not the man in black? Well, if she needs somebody, well, one thought is that is Angela. You need somebody who's interacted with people in the real world. And if you remember, Angela had been the greeter for a long time. Yeah. Right. So she, so she was interacting 
acting outside of the park itself. She was a she was a uh, a person that to pass as being real before, you know. So she's interacted with people on a real level previously, so that might work. And I thought if they do do a simulation thing, there was one person who they had pretty much perfected. They'd gotten the fidelity test through, and that was uh, with James Delos, and he certainly would know the ins and outs of the of the boardroom. Um, so it could so, be him if they. If they use a, that, if they use a real person, so that's Jacob Snow from the Ozark. I have everybody no idea. I don't drink, watch Ozark. Everybody drink. Yeah. Um, um, so that's a. So I'm just saying. So that is a. That is a possibility. I'm not convinced that that they're going that way yet. I'm just saying. But why? Why would she trust him, and why would he like her? Um, well, that's why I don't think it would, after what we see in this episode, I don't think that it would be her. I think if you. Uh, him. I think if you look at the way they interact, and a big theme of this episode were parents and children, right? Charlotte and Nathan and uh, Caleb and his mom. And. Oh, it's her father. I wouldn't be surprised if it's her father, right? Because right. when did his. When did Charlotte really kind of click in and find herself? Was when someone was going after. The pedophile was going after Nathan. Um, right. And right. that's the one thing that I think you could argue that both Peter Abernathy and Charlotte Hale would have had in common was the idea of being a parent. And mm. if that's their core drive, right, going back to the if they, if they that character is now latched onto that core drive. She says I'm a predator, but that is a word that Dolores had used earlier in the episode. That is, I think, referring to the Charlotte part of this new synthesis um well here's what's unclear to me though is that is there any charlotte personality programmed in here i um, think so. or, or does I, or does this I, host whoever's inhabiting the body of charlotte just have information about her no i think it's i think it's the steroids and hormones of the host body that's affecting the program because i remember i said last week what would a brain be if you could take someone's brain put in another person would it still think the same or would it be affected by the hormones and steroids from the new body well we don't know how hormones and steroids affect host bodies true true but if the, the host's is supposed to, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could be right, but I'm I'm thinking that's it's. I'm, I can't believe there would just be an essence. Uh, I mean, it's built in the DNA, right? And the D, so DNA. Then, if not, because that DNA is still Charlotte's DNA. So even if it's not steroids and hormones, it's her DNA. And as we know, or we've been discussing, brains do keep on repeating themselves over and over, whether human or robot. So if the DNA is the same DNA of Charlotte, that may affect just as hormones or steroids would affect. What it can the, affect the personality, host. but, but DNA doesn't have memory in it. Um, I, I also want to point out that your thought process has changed drastically since season one. Yeah. Or it was, they're just fucking hunks of metal. Well, they, they have given us more, and last season they revealed that they were a metal yeah, brain in a in a, in a in a flesh and blood synthetic body. Right. It was the only the old the the oldest models, right? That that were like mostly, old Bill, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That were mostly robot. While the newer bodies are closer to Blade Runner, 
but with with uh, computer brains instead of uh, synthetic brains, mm. or, or or I should say uh, biological brains. Yeah, I um, yeah. So I'm I'm really thinking it's Peter. I, there are as and rewatching it, there are moments. There are moments that are a little creepy, but like, yeah, I if think, it is Peter, there are some a couple of creepy moments. But like, so I could see like the moment where she's cradling Charlotte on the bed. Right. Can be seen as a romantic thing, but it can also be seen as like a parent and a child, you know, a, a parent with a small child sort of thing. But Dolores never had a child. Um, I, right. I don't, also I don't Dolores the stroking thing that was a little weird. Uh, well, also Dolores is is broken out of her programming completely, unlike Maeve. In other words, she knows her father isn't really her father, but that but. You see what I'm saying? While Maeve still is, has this instinct that she's a mother of this robot, even though she knows that can't be true. So I think Dolores is past that now. So for her, it's not really her father anyway, even if it is uh, from the the storyline, right. from the practice. And and the line, the, the for me, the telling line is, uh, I found it here, was she says, uh, no one knows you like I do, and no one knows me like you. To me, the only two people that that, well, three people, I guess, that that could qualify for, uh, to get back to Phil's point, is is Teddy, yeah. and, I, and I don't think it's Teddy if they're not if they're not cheating. Right. Um, it's I mean, he, it's her father, he, or it's or it's uh, the man, man in black. black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and honestly, I, I think I think from the behavior we've witnessed, Teddy makes the most sense, but we also know that, I mean, you're right, Mike, if it's Teddy, then they are cheating. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll find out eventually. We fucking better. Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting that for the first half of the episode, Charlotte's dressed in white, the way Maeve was at the end of last episode. But after she meets with Dolores, she's dressed in black the way Dolores has been. Mm. Um, so I think that again presents a shift of her more solidly going into Dolores's uh, side of things. Um, although I don't think that was intended to align her with um, with Maeve. But then remember, Maeve was talking to Serac, and Charlotte was with Serac, right? Serac. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that might be where the alliance shift has come in. Right. Yeah. That now I don't even know if Maeve was talking to Serac. Personally, or, uh, since he stopped her from phone. killing him, yeah, I don't. I think it was personal because if it was just a visual, she would have yeah. cut through midair. Yeah, that's a fair point. Good point. Good point. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, yeah. So, so my guess right now is Peter Abernathy. If there's a wild card, I'll be with Phil and say the wild card is that it's the man in black. But I think when Dolores says at some point when they need to have a, a hostile takeover, right, or they need to, to buy those shares back to stem the hostile takeover, whichever way you phrase it, mm-hmm. um, she says, I got to we, you know, we need to visit an old friend. I think the old friend is going to be the man in black because he's the only old friend that has the money. Unless they're going to introduce a new character who is always come to the park mm-hmm. before. Um, but we do know from the previews that we see Man in Black next episode. So I think... Oh, I didn't watch the previews, so I didn't know that. 
So I think they go back to him, assuming that it is again set in the current timeline. They go to him to get the. Uh, that would get make his sense. Shares. I also still think it was his seat that was empty when they were in the boardroom. Yeah, and that was voted by proxy. I, I agree. Right. Mm-hmm. No, uh, um, and since his family is dead, there's nobody there to kind of call in his him being missing. Now, who's the actor that played Abernathy's? Uh, Peter Abernathy again. He was a, he's a pretty big actor. I forget his name. The actor. Um, uh, give me a second. Uh, Louis Louis Hertham. Yeah. Has he been listed anywhere that he was going to be returning in season three? I have no idea. I I don't trust. I haven't been looking. I don't, I don't think they're releasing. And, I don't think they're releasing credits pre-broadcast anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that gives away stuff. You're right. So yeah. so even if it was him or any of these other actors we named, the ones that played Clementine or Andrew or, or whatever. It, it would give it away, so yeah. Yeah, they're not so, letting the cat out of the bag till they want the cat out of the bag. Yeah, okay, fair enough. All right, yeah, Lewis Hartham. Yeah, so I'm just curious, because that would kind of give us a hint of like, oh, all right, it's going to be Lewis Hartham, because why is he in the credits? Because that's how people well, figured because, out in other shows in the past. But they could also do any more flashbacks with Dolores, you know, from her time in Westworld. So there's you could he could be brought in for that. There's lots of reasons why he could be involved. As the horse is still there, why that actor might appear, you know, it doesn't just have to be, um, it doesn't just have to be because he's Charlotte Hale or he's one of the five pearls. Can we move on, please? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think uh, we we, we kind of guess probably the most obvious anyway. It's one of the, one of those three. Uh, yeah, there there really are, there really are very few, and I think I, I think my list was is a, wild, a possible wild card as a human. Uh, one was the the general from the Southern Rebellion, or Southern Forces, who has worked with Dolores twice in the past in the previous two seasons. You know, uh, Armistice, uh, Angela, and Peter Abernathy. Those were my main choices for those who the who the who the five pearls were. Right. All right. Very well. Um, all right. I'm so, curious as to why Dolores hasn't activated any of the other pearls yet. Well, we don't know that. Well, she has to find the right body for them, right? She's got Doesn't to she have a we 3D don't know printer? How to, well, she does, but she has to make them. She has to figure out who she wants it to be. She only has a couple, that, so she's got to make sure it's the right person in the right place. Then we don't know how many she's activated yet. Charlotte was the first one. As far as we know, Charlotte was the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, and she gets activated. We see her with those pearls. We don't know, you know, where they've gone in the several well, months now since that happened. Right. I was going to say that was also in the past. So because right. Bernard was one of them. So maybe right. the other pearls are active in bodies we haven't seen yet. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Or maybe they're active uh, bodies we have seen and we just don't know that there are those. Wow, I just confused myself. Yeah, uh, uh, that'll do if you if you <laughs> that one too hard. Well, they're intentionally trying to make us, you know, they're holding their cards tight. You can't see yeah. me because we're podcasting, but I'm cutting into my own arm right now. 
<laughs> Maybe one of them is Irene, the pregnant woman who's advising Charlotte. Well, see, see, and that, that makes me think it could be Angela that if she was carving herself, right? Even though she's a Maeve, Toady, that's not true. She went to Dolores on season two because May, I mean, Angela was the type that kind of was having nervous breakdowns and stuff, you know? Maybe. But I also so, think it's putting so a lot Peter. of weight on past behavior, which isn't necessarily going to remain the same, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. I, I do think there's some memories. I think, like, Eric, I think she knew she was married, I think, because she recognized who Jake was when she walked in. Mm-hmm. Right? That's true. And and she just says, how did you get in here? He said, mm-hmm. well, I, you know, I used to live here. Well, if, if, I, if I used to live with someone and then I don't live with them anymore, I kind of would expect them to have turned in the key or to have changed the locks. So, right. so his answer wasn't that good. Well, I don't, it, I don't, it was I don't a legitimate her. question. I, I think it was a legitimate question and maybe she didn't, maybe he still had the key to get in. You know, she knew she had a son at some point. She, you know, was told she had a son or, you know, but she missed things like, you know, what's the song that she sang? And, you know, she had to Picking remember to him pick him up, up at school, which is why he was school. there. Yeah. Right. right. And those are things that, you know, the, those, that's data that they're not going to get at the park. Right. So I didn't have a right. day planner. And, and, <laughs> she's the park. I don't think the day planner says, leave the park, pick my son up, come back to the park. Uh, all right. Sing, sing him. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. No, that that was that was missing information she didn't have. But but like, I like, not picking the son up at school seems like a vast oversight that that like someone like Dolores would not have missed. Well, I think the yeah. fundamental problem is that she doesn't care if, that it's not her son, and she <laughs> has a mission, and she cares more about the mission than she cares about her son. I think but, that's probably but, why she's is that is that she's being neglectful and 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 not being genuine with him. But because but, it's it, not hers. But it makes Dolores look sloppy, and she doesn't seem like she's sloppy. Uh, that's not well, Dolores. maybe Dolores isn't sloppy, and whoever this is is just bad but, at doing a full Charlotte impersonation. Right, 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 and and that's what I'm saying. It makes Dolores sloppy because why would she use this? Pearl, if the pearl isn't going to be um, thorough, mm. because well, she, she, had, she to, had limited options. <laughs> right, she 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 grabbed who she could grab, and she didn't have time to get you know the most perfect host for every per- possible circumstance. And I just think the person that she would have put in the, into Charlotte would have been the person that she trusted the most, which I do think is probably Peter. All right, so let's let's move on. Uh, we can talk about the Charlotte story itself without trying to figure out who the Pearl is, because again, we're just going to go back to what we just discussed. Um, or we could go and start talking about the Caleb story. If you want, um, what do you guys want to do? You want to continue talking about the Charlotte story? No. <laughs> well, well, a little bit. The maybe, story. Let's, That's let's, the story. Let's not, not the all conversation about who's in the body. Yes. Right. Cause I'm exactly. done with that. That's that's what I'm trying to do too. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's talk about the Charlotte story itself. Uh, so Charlotte is an imposter to try to 
basically find uh, the French dude. Well, she finds out that somebody has been... uh, They basically say without using so many words that, that somebody has set up an algorithm of some sort to purchase shares of Delos in small enough increments as to not be detected by any of their systems. Um, but they've all been funneled through shell companies to one entity that now owns 38% of Delos and has been the majority shareholder. Thus, as Mike mentioned, uh, blowing any plans to take the company private out of the water because they could block it. So then she wants to, to find out who's doing it and um they know it's serac but nobody knows anything about serac because apparently he's just a he's a he's a one trillion dollar black hole he's like the richest man in the world but there's no information on him anywhere it's kind of interesting right right i mean i felt that was kind of weird uh because there yeah there's a lot of wealthy people that no one's ever heard of except for people in their circles or in their business but someone like this who like you just said eric is one of the the, is the wealthiest man and and they don't know who he is you know i mean it's it's kind of bizarre um but it makes sense if, if you think about it he's the guy that controls the system that controls the society so if there's anybody in a position to erase all clues to him it's tim right all right. What about the investigative reporter or the 60 Minutes that wants to do a, a story on this purse, this black hole that no one knows about? We did our research, and this is what we found out. Because nobody was looking for it. <laughs> right. But the only reason they found it is because they were they were tracing back all these little independent groups that had purchased their um, purchased their stock. They, right. they had reason to chase after it, and that had been going on. For right. years, and then and when you add all those little companies together, that's where you get the the one trillion dollars. Right. Well, yeah, and this is also uh, relevant to the title of the episode, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Eric. Right. He's th- that he's one, but Charlotte he's, is a blank spot, and because in terms of her self identity, and he's a blank spot because he's the 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 black hole in the in the ecosystem and the in the stock market. But I'm sure he has proxies that are hiding for him, so it really takes a lot of work to uncover the fact that there must be someone there by insinuation. Right, and then we we did find out one big twist, which is the real Charlotte Hale was one of his proxies, basically. His plants. Yes. And I don't think she even knew, meaning the, 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 the pearl... Right, imposter version had no idea, and and that's what they just found out at the end. Yes, of this episode. Mm-hmm. So she's a double agent now. She's gonna have to be, <laughs> like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, and it, it's kind of interesting because Serac seems a little sloppy too. So Dolores, who seems like she shouldn't be sloppy, and Serac, who you would think based off of his brilliance shouldn't be sloppy. He's kind of sloppy, too, because he doesn't do fact checks on people. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, unless he doesn't understand that host could now be in the real world. I don't know. Well, I, well no, I don't think he understood. Again, he just figured out he knew. Like, if you take a look at this, uh, the way the simulation works, you know, they didn't say precisely what would happen 
to um, uh, to Caleb. They said, based on the evidence, he's going to commit suicide in 10 to 12 years, right? So, and where, and how would he most likely commit suicide? Well, as a male who's familiar with guns, he'll probably shoot himself. And where does some, where would he do it? Well, he frequently goes to this isolated place, so that's probably where he's going to do it. It's dealing with probability. So, they most likely, uh, Sirach, by looking at the data, probably figured out this is, there's going to be a malfunction in the park. It will probably be happening about this time um, that you'll be dealing with the, um, what we talk about now as emergence, right? The idea of, of the emerging uh, artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. But the exact nature of it, who was going to emerge, how it was going to manifest itself, who would live, who would die, those are the wild card questions, right? Because once you throw a bomb into a room, all that order goes out the window. Um, exactly. So yeah. he he thought getting the information back from Charlotte, um, he thought, uh, or, or what they got, that it was Maeve that was doing it, based on the data that they got from the after report of the uh, mm-hmm. of the incident at the park. Right. He was not looking for Dolores. He did not realize probably that host could could impersonate real people. Um, if you look at the um, the wanted ads or whatever for Bernard, um, no one is identifying him as a host. Right. Right. So they seem to think Bernard is actually a real flesh and blood human being. Right. So I'm guessing that Sirach absolutely, I don't think he's sloppy. I think he's just operating in the dark. He's operating without intelligence. Um, and the intelligence he does not have is that the hosts are, are able to mimic real flesh and blood human beings. So he's not looking for Charlotte, who was a real flesh and blood human being that he met and dealt with prior to all this shit hitting the fan. Well, but at the same time, he is aware that they were taking everybody's information that visited the park because that's the information he wants. That is true. So I don't think he was a hundred percent in the dark as to the possibility of somebody being able to impersonate a human or a host being able to impersonate a human because they have that data, right? Yeah. But I think the reason that he thinks they want, and actually, they wanted the data was for the same reason that the Rhea bomb, whatever, wants the data mm-hmm. is to is for profit, is for uh, predicting and analyzing the future, not for duplicating a person to make them immortal. Right. So he may have been thinking about the data in a different purpose, but I don't like he's he's clearly not a dumb person, right? I, I don't think that possibility would have escaped him. Right. That's that's what I was saying. That that was my my whole point. We'll see. Yeah, we will. Right. Yeah. Um. At the same time, um, what was I going to say? I had a point in there somewhere and I lost it. Uh, something about Dolores. Um. Oh. Uh. Yeah. I don't think. Um. I think he understood that. Uh, they were gathering the information on all the guests that visited the park. I don't think he was aware of the possibility that hosts could be sentient until the whole, uh, until the reveal that Dolores was the one that actually sent all the data somewhere else. Right. Right. Oh, I thought, I thought it was Charlotte that sent the data, but Dolores has the key. No, if you remember at the end of season two, 
Dolores went back to the forge and redirected the coordinates. That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So Charlotte sent it, but Dolores intercepted it and sent it to a different spot. Yes. Gotcha. And that's how she got the key. Most likely. Key? Yeah, that's what that's what uh, Charlotte and and, and uh, Sarah were talking about. She goes, "Why why can't we access it?" And, and Charlotte says, "Because Dolores, or he says, Dolores has the key, so you have to find Dolores." Okay, I, and, okay. And I, I, that, that's metaphorical. They're talking about, I, I believe, the coordinates. Oh, right? I thought they were talking about the fob. In other words, they, they there's a uh, not a, a physical fob, but a password basically, and that's the key. And and they have to get that key to open the file or, or get the, right. get they, the, they, the they, file. The key was what was in Peter Abernathy's head last season, along with That's all right. the data that was supposed to be there. And, you know, without the and they needed it to unlock the data. That was, oh, that okay. was the hot potato. So it's like a password. I, I about that part. Right. Yeah. They need that key to get access to the data. And so now the question is, where is the data, number one, and where is the goddamn key? Right. Well, and it wouldn't be funny. Wouldn't it be funny if like Peter Abernathy is the one in Charlotte's body? So it's like right there in front of him. That would be funny. I'm not sure if he still had it or if they removed it because mm-hmm. it was the thing that was causing havoc with his his brain at the end. Like he was <laughs> already <right>. malfunctioning. <laughs> he was already malfunctioning in season one because of uh, he was he was becoming aware. Right. And mm-hmm. he couldn't and he couldn't reconcile the nature of his reality. Um, with his memories and then they brought him back, brought him back online and then already faulty and stuffed all this extra data in it. And that just turned him into a pile of gibberish. Mm -hmm. Right. I thought the most interesting part of this episode was the interaction between Dolores and, uh, Caleb. Yeah. Um, well that was, that was the, the, other storyline of the episode, absolutely. And it was really interesting. I agree. Um, I, I was really fascinated by the conceptual concept that, wow, I went to the redundant school of redundancy. Um, <laughs> of the system labeling him as something, you know, uh, somebody who's going to kill themselves, so they're not going to invest in uh, any resources for him to promote himself in society, but at the same time, maybe that's why he ends up killing himself. That whole loop right. going on there, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy or, or what have you. Um, I found that whole, that whole thing pretty fascinating. Um, and, and really enjoyed the way that Dolores approached that and got Caleb on board. Right, and it, it's brilliant too because uh, even though this is a, a funny analogy, it is the fat bastard from the Austin Powers films where he goes, <laughs> "I eat because I'm depressed, and I'm depressed because I eat," and so <laughs> right. it's a circle, you know. And and similar to this, it's like because he's the program says that he's apt to suicide at a certain time and point and whatever. It also ruins his chances to actually succeed because if anybody has the data about his, uh, I guess, uh, destiny, they're not going to invest in him. And so 
he suicides because he can't get a break. And it's like a big circle because if they mm-hmm. didn't have the the data, maybe he could get the break. Right. But because they but because they have the data, he actually would have his destiny come true, which is suicide because he can't get a break. <laughs> right. It's 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 a snake eating its own tail. Right. Exactly. And and this is where they're talking about where people are being can be held back. And I think Dolores even says it to him where where it it's it's like certain groups of folk aren't going to be able to succeed because they're already have one foot in the gutter because of, of instead of their status in life or, or uh, cast, instead it's based off of uh, destiny data or whatever this insight company has on you. Right. And so, and it's unfair and it's, it's disgusting and yet scary too. <laughs> yeah. I found the whole concept amazing. Uh, I'm also going to be curious to see whether um, just having that information is enough to enable Caleb to avoid his uh, predestined path. Right. Yeah, well, and and I think Dolores found out something, and, and, it, and it was a big scene, and they talk about it um, in the six-minute little thing at the end of the episode where she goes, why don't you tell those two hoodlums about me and where I was or what I said to you because you had a, you made a choice and, and and amazed her because it goes against the destiny program or Mm -hmm. or what the, the program has about the person, but it also gives her an insight on, and this is what, this is the part they said in, in the six minutes gives her an insight on people. Because her experience with people were only the, what she experienced in the park, which was mm-hmm. they were all just living a, a fantasy. You know, they were playing a game. They were doing a lap. But in the real world, she suddenly finds out that, oh, people can actually make decisions that aren't, I guess, uh, evil. Because most of the people in the park were probably doing evil things because that's what you do in LARPs. That's why you play mm-hmm. Dungeons & Dragons and you watch movies because you see the violence and all that crap. So I think... Maybe there's going to be a twist later in the season that you can break out of this this uh, loop or or. I don't prediction. think it's a twist so much as a theme. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Because they're uh, they're pretty obvious about setting it up here. Right. That's true. That's true. And and also, she basically talks about how she's planning to do a Daenerys, which is break the wheel. She says, I'm going to bring it mm-hmm. all down. Mm-hmm. So, is and she I, doing it, is she going to do it the proper way, or is she going to do it the villainous way? Well, well. I was uh, on Twitter last night, and uh, Evan Rachel Woods was answering questions for people. And uh, somebody asked her if Dolores is the is the greatest badass ever and her answer to that uh, and if you go if you go to her twitter account she posted little video clips to answer the questions so you can hear her saying this she says that in season three dolores commits one of the most fantastic acts of anarchy in any television show or movie ever so take that uh, for, for what you will 
She doesn't put the toilet paper on the other way, does she? <laughs> what? <laughs> put the toilet paper under the roll, and so that's just cruel. That yeah, we, we understand what you're talking about, but what's the analogy mean? What's your, what are you trying to say? The, the, the failure to maintain order by putting the toilet paper on the wrong way. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I I thought we, you were you were trying to allude to that she's obviously doing hyperbole because obviously what happens is it could be drastic. But for her to answer a question that says one of the biggest badass whatever in the history of film and literature is a little obviously a hyperbole of a question. And or maybe she's right and it's going to be awesome. Oh, it could. It well, certainly <laughs> could be awesome. I'm, I'm just. It's just interesting. That, well, well, you know the yeah, white asshole She does, she does have a, a vested interest in getting people to watch the show. Right. And right. you know the riot control robot is going to, the, the new Ed 209 is going to have something to do with this. So it wasn't just me. You thought about Ed 209 too. How do you not? Okay, thank right, you. Right. Yeah, from RoboCop, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's totally right. a 209. Just painted a red. Yeah, right. Why, right. Why else would they have had it in? Obviously, it's cool to look at, but this, you this have 20 certain, seconds to comply. This, this is most certainly a, a, uh, check off gun. It has to be. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and the design is neat. If you look at it, it's like five large suitcases that, well, that's what the, the designer said. Right up. Six minutes. Yeah. You, you, you listen to that too. Yeah. 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 So it is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's what's going to happen. That thing's going to go haywire and start killing everybody at Insight or something. Maybe. My, my, uh, I don't know about haywire. The biggest thing I want to know at this point is what is, um, I mean, other than the fact that he can obviously control her, what is Maeve's vested interest in stopping Dolores? I yeah, that's a really good one. question. Uh, well, yeah, because why were they on opposite sides and, and basically considered enemies? I, I think Maeve is supposed to be the good character, and Doris is supposed to be the bad character. And yet, well, that's the thing. A lot of the bad characters in history always do talk as if they're doing something good. So, like, when Fidel Castro... Right, nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to be evil today. Right, but all along, they're evil right, anyway. company, so. so, so, like, my example, like, you know, Fidel Castro says, you know, we're going to overthrow the dictator, the, the imperial outsiders, and free everybody, and then he takes over and, and he makes it worse. You know, or Hitler, or or, Stalin, or, or Lenin, or, or or Mao, you know, they, they, they have this thing, and the people are like, yeah, they're gonna, our lives are going to change, and then when they take over, everything's is worse. So mm-hmm. Dolores could be doing that where she says, I, this is a terrible system, which it is. And I'm going to change it. I'm going to bring it all down. But when her definition of bringing it all down could mean mass death for, to everybody. While Maeve's character may be the one that wants to bring it all down in the progressive way that we've seen in the past 50 years where, you know, you get, you get, uh, 
the rights of people. You know, the serfs are free, and then uh, religious freedoms, but, and you know, on and on. Go on. But my question is, what's Maeve's driving interest? Because last season, her driving interest was being reunited with her daughter, right? Right. And, and saving her daughter. Her daughter's in robot heaven now, so she doesn't have that driving interest anymore. So right. what is her motivation, I guess, is what I'm asking. That's unclear to me right I, now. I, say, to I, save, I think I, to save people. Uh, to save I, people. Why? Why does she I give a shit? I don't think so. She doesn't. <laughs> she, said that, she said that pretty explicitly in the last episode. Um, Bernard's motivation, uh, again, the two extremes here are Bernard and Dolores are the two opposite ends. Dolores, mm-hmm. they've, they set up as Wyatt at the end of the first season. Dolores has been set up as the big bad from the beginning, albeit through you know quietly in the first season, and then very obviously last season, um, Bernard has concerns over what her goal is for humanity. Now, maybe she has nicer ends for humanity after this. We'll we'll find out. And that is again someplace else where we could be getting fooled into thinking maybe Dolores has has actually learned something and has changed, turned the page. Um, but uh, Maeve is a wild card. Maeve is out for Maeve. And whoever she cares about. Last season, it was um, it was certainly her daughter first, but she also cared about Hector. She cared about um, you know the she cared about the the Japanese knockoff versions of them. She mm-hmm. cared about Lee. She cared about Felix. Didn't give a shit about Sylvester. Um, <laughs> who would really? But who would? Because he was a douche. Um, that's why you have. Sirak saying, you know, our our interests are aligned. Well, we don't really know where her interests are. Right, I think what she wants point. is her own freedom. Right. I think what she's she's out for herself. She wants I think she wants her freedom to live her life without being told what to do. Um and if she could to go into the great beyond and be with her daughter. I think that's really what she say, would like. Life, though? Does she actually want to be in the real world? Does she want to be back in Westworld, living the life that she used to know? Or does she it, want to be in the mu- mountains or, or forests of Montana or, or Maine? Yeah, like, like that's my whole point. Is like we don't know what's driving Maeve at this point, right. and is even relevant because clearly uh, Serac controls her, or is yeah, going to try point. to. Well, right. he's got that magic remote button, right? Yeah, that's true. He stopped her. From uh, yeah, he could he could stop yeah. her. I don't know if I can call that. It, you know, he doesn't have complete control over. He just has the kill switch. Mm, he has okay. the pause button. Yeah. You know, I I can't control what's on my DVD. I can pause it, make it go fast forward or reverse, but I can't change it to something different. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe Maeve represents the people that just don't want. The, uh, the authority figures to bother them. Period. But In other words, they don't want. What Dolores represents. Well, well, no, no. But Dolores represents destruction, probably, and Bernard represents keeping it the same but making improvements. While Maeve looks at both of them and says, "You're both fucking terrible. I, I want to just be left alone." <laughs> Uh, here's the thing though is that uh, I don't think Dolores is destruction I think uh, well she was last season I'll give you that but at this point I think she's revolutionary changed changed, at at this point I think her whole thing is free will right Uh, just like she didn't 
like the fact yeah. that hosts were put on their loops and not given a choice. She doesn't like the fact that humans are being put on their loops and not given a choice. And that's what she's fighting against, which to the way you just phrase it doesn't really seem all that different from what you attributed to Maeve. Um, so I don't understand why they would be at odds. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but, but you know what? Maeve, as you said, is a wild card in the sense that she doesn't have a strong um, uh, view anymore since her daughter is gone, right? While Dolores has a view or goal, which is to revolutionize the t- the it and now. To- I think Maeve has some sort of drive. We just don't know what it is because she certainly seemed motivated when we saw her, right? She was moving. She was shaking. Uh, she she had a plan, uh, but her motive is unclear. And that's that's right. what I'm curious about is is what her motive is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because she wanted to get out of War World, and then when she found out it was just a simulation, she just wanted to get out of the simulation. Mm-hmm. But she never says what her goal is. Which exactly. Is, right. Yeah, that's a fair point. And we still. Well, I think I think her goal is is to leave her life and be left alone. Right, and that, that's where I was trying to get at, which is she's in the middle and like just wants to be left alone. Well, so then why was she upset when she discovered she, or, or like one of the things she, that made her realize she was in a simulation is that she couldn't control other hosts anymore, right? right. So like, why is that important to her if she just wants to be left alone? Well, I think well, it was because, because she was stuck she was with them near her. If she could just get off the grid and move to the middle of the desert in Nevada, she wouldn't even need that power anymore. But Mike, you insist. Okay. Yeah. I think it's the fact that she's in the simulation. Well, first of all, she doesn't realize she's in a simulation when she's losing her power. So she's back in Westworld. She's in her mind at first. She's back in Westworld or well, war world. She's back as a uh, stuck in playing a role of a host, which means she's, back being a dancing whore for these park theme park people. Uh-huh. The power over the hosts gives the ability to escape it. And without that, it's a very valuable tool. Then when she realizes she's in a simulation, you know, a, that changes how she's going to escape, but she's still stuck. She's still trapped. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, I think she just wants to get out of it. And that's why I think, um, Sertarak is going to be in for a, a, a harsh lesson because he is clearly manipulating Maeve. And even if his goals are the same as Maeve's, Maeve don't want to be manipulated. Right. And she will, she will, well, that seems she to be will Maeve's get her main goal is to not be manipulated. Right. And she will have her come up and she will have her, uh, her revenge on him at some point in some way. I hope so. That would be enjoyable. She's my favorite. Right, but but he's not her enemy yet. Well, depends on how you look at it. Yeah, he's not her if friend. Somebody, if, if somebody knocked you out and, and brought you to and then paralyzed you, would you consider them your friend? Well, he, he actually freed her. And then he paralyzed her only because she was going to go rogue again, which is just kill everybody that's bothering me and let me get out of here. You mean exercise her free will? Right. It, but, but again, <laughs> someone else's free will is to, is to protect themselves. 
<laughs> so, and she's smart enough to know that know that as well. <laughs> I'm saying it all depends on your viewpoint. Well, well, put it this way: she, all right, she was an prisoner by the Westworld company again. He freed her, obviously for his personal reasons, not for her own f- freedom. Is she free? I don't think she is. Well, she's she's out of the Westworld, so she's that's somewhat free. free. That's just free being her. controlled by him in a different place. I wouldn't consider it freedom if he's got a well, button uh, to right. shut it's, her it's down. Like a North, given it's like a North. It's like a North Korean fleeing over the border to China, and now they're in China. You got out of North Korea, but and that's great, but you're still stuck in another dictatorship. But at least you're out of North Korea. Uh, you have a weird way of looking at things. I think Mike knows what I'm talking about. The analogy I'm, I'm making here. So he, she got out of uh, one terrible situation that was horrible. At least now she has closer. She's much closer now to the real world. Or to, to, to the right. To, the thing is, she's still under someone's control. But before she was under control on an island in the middle of nowhere. Now the she's under office. someone's control. Like in in the real world, and right, it's just so we're just getting closer to breaking that bond. Right, it seems to be right. It seems to be closer to breaking that bond, mm-hmm. exactly. uh, right, breaking through. And it's it's just there's a lot to get through to escape that she was before. Mm-hmm. Right, and that was my point. That's my point. Is that yeah, I agree, Eric. She's still not fully free, but she's closer than she was prior. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm done arguing about it. Oh, well, I, w- I, was, I don't think anybody was arguing. I, me and Mike weren't arguing with you. I think it's just getting semantical in a lot of ways. She's freer, but not free. Right. All right. So uh, what else do we want to talk about? Anything else that we want to discuss or specifics to the Caleb story or anything that that we want to bring up. Who, who are the guys that are after Dolores? Were all those people that were after Dolores working for Sarek? I think so. I, I think so. Right, because we know that Sarek knows about Dolores, um, right. and, he, and therefore he has access, I'm assuming, he has access right. to um, the Westworld files, and so he can, you know, or the promotional ads, whatever, and he can get access to who what Dolores looks like, right? And since he can do that, he can put her face up on the internet and put her on the what was the name of that um, of the app? Yeah, Rico. Rico, put her on the Rico app and put a hit out on her. Um, and and so I think and now Dolores, although of course, knows she's being looked for, and she can go through her back doors and like because remember uh, you had Caleb say you know should we really be being seen like this out in public, mm-hmm. and Dolores wasn't concerned with it, so right. I'm guessing she doesn't care. Well, right. well she at can, the same she time, she also told stuff. him to fucking get a different name and disappear. Right. Right, and he didn't, and then he falls out as a victim of the recon app too. Um, but it, but the, it, but it makes me think that that they're not worried about being captured by on camera, on like facial recognition software picking him up. 
Right, okay. right. Well, yeah. well, she she actually said that. She said that uh, that she can do that. Uh, I can erase us from from the cameras or something. She said that was right after, right before they said, "Let's go to get lunch." So if you rewatch the episode, there's a little discussion about that. Um, so if that's the case, then then we're a hundred percent sure that Sarak is not just a a ruthless businessman, but actually a true villain because the people he's hiring to get Dolores are murderers because they wipe out, uh, the ETMs, uh, the, uh, yeah, the e- EMTs, what, what do you call them? Whatever they call them, the ambulance EMTs. people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. EMTs. And, uh, we're willing to kill Caleb and all these other people. So, so he, he's a bad guy. So, no, yeah, that's uh, freelancing. <laughs> The way, right, they, the, the, the way that Rico app is set up is you put the job out there. Anybody could pick it up. You know, he doesn't necessarily have control over that. We don't know what his long term. Obviously, I don't think he's going to end up being a good guy. Um, sure. But we don't know what his long term goal is for the, 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 the great, great giant ball and for Westworld and its data. You, you know, and, you know, he, we we cut out at the end of last episode before he could share his aims and goals with Maeve. Right. So right, we'll that's see. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. And I mean, if, and if his goal is, let's say his goal was, was the same as Dolores's, which he may not know what Dolores's is. He may be worried about the robot uprising. What if his goal is to also is for liberation? Well, then a couple of EMTs getting killed along the way may not be that big a deal. You know, and by the way, that that also goes into, um, you know, question about, you know, they talk about how this thing has changed the world, right? Well, um, I have and, a theory, and, if, and, if, and if the cost of that, if the cost of that is letting, you know, having a few people here and there like like Caleb just just go off, you know, march off the cliff uh, on their own, and it brings the rest of the world peace and prosperity, then, well, maybe the argument is that's the price that needs to be paid. Um, so, you know, it, it, there, there, are, there are debates as to be had there. I think that the reason he wants all the data on the people is because right now he's gotten to a place where he is able to pretty much predict the future, right? Uh, with his systems of his and and how he lays out the the paths for everybody, he can tell what's going to happen in the future. Um, Pretty close, except for the things that Mike mentioned, which is if you throw a bomb, if he can predict someone throws a bomb into a room, there's no guarantee who's going to come out alive. Right, and that would change the, the pro algorithm. Well, and I believe that his right. I believe his ultimate goal is to control the future, uh, so that once he get he gets enough information. Uh, including all the guest data, uh, he'll know enough about people to um, not only predict the future, but kind of guide the future. Yeah, I, I would agree that that's probably his goal. Absolutely. Because just like Dolores, once he reads all those books, he'll be able to tell how people are going to behave, right? That, that's exactly right, yep. And I think so. that's the, that's the goal. And he, whether he uses it for world domination or if he uses it 
to become the most wealthiest, powerful corporation in the entire world that can, will control all business is where we can debate where he's going. Mm-hmm. Right, because I think the difference is that the Reaband thing kind of works in broader strokes, where Westworld has captured the essence of the people, you know, in, in much finer detail, mm-hmm. which much, which with much greater specificity and in private, right? Meaning, um, what are they doing when they don't think anybody is really watching or cares? Right. And that is going to, and that in theory would give you a better handle on how would they actually behave? What are their real drives? What are their real desires? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, the customers just think it's a LARP, but right. But they're doing the personality test plus they're being filmed continuously, even when they're doing things that would be horrendously horrendous to be filmed if it was the real world. Um, so it's not just filming though, because they've got the headband too, right? Yep. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because and they could, I mean, they could use it for anything from blackmailing. I mean, the easiest thing to do is you use it for blackmailing, which is, you know, if, if they show a guy doing all these weird things with robots, even if it's a robot, it's still perverted as hell. You know, that's like, you know, just crazy. So you can blackmail. So that's the first thing. But the ultimate thing is the personality tests and the predictions of how these people will react so you can make deals with them. So, you know, when you meet them, you know that they like martinis filled with gin and not vodka and that they're more apt to want to, you know, have Thai food than Italian food or whatever. And so you can use it that way. But then the ultimate is it can predict the future. Mm-hmm. as well and so so it has many levels and he wants to get to the top level which is over and above the blackmailing and the the predictions he wants the actual uh, guarantees he wants, yeah he wants control yeah. um because quite frankly he's already got all that other stuff you just said he is the most powerful businessman in the world exactly yeah. And again, this being what, you know, say 100 years in the future or whatever it is, the technology that we have now where you have no privacy, imagine how it is in 100 years from now. And then he has all that power on top of that would make him yeah the, the most powerful person in the world. And Ned Beatty from the t- movie Network would be right, which is the world isn't countries anymore. It's corporations. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But he is so powerful right now that you can't even tell he exists. All you can tell is his absence of field. Dun dun dun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's he's <laughs> doing them. He's doing what? That was the place the end of the episode, Phil. Oh. Oh. Yeah. But, yeah. But, 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 but I had another a drink moment. It's like the Ozark, where everything's just oh. shell companies, and he's a shell. He's using all shell companies. Mm. And that's how he can get away because they don't know everything's a front for 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 him. So that's why he's the black hole because no one knows that these companies or that company or this company is actually Sorak, mm-hmm. and yet he owns it all. All right. So, um, Mike, any further things you wanted? Because uh, Eric and myself are pretty much 
have nothing else to bring up. Do you, anything you wanted to bring up about it? It was a good doggy. It was a good doggy. It was. It was. Just, stood, I, I know. Just, just stood by and let its pedophile master get strangled to death. That's not the dog's fault. No, she's letting him strangle the pedophile. Yes. That, that's a good doggy. <laughs> and the dog just walks away like, oh, that was my owner? Oh, all right, I guess. I don't know. And, and of course, I'm sure Phil picked up on the fact that the, the that Charlotte's son's name is Nathan Hale. Oh yeah, look at that. That's from uh that's from oh don't tell me I got it. Uh uh Hawthorne's book. No. Uh, oh it, no no. Oh it's uh from uh Arthur Miller's play. No. Gilligan's uh, Island? No. Well, I thought it was I thought it was uh the Scarlet Letter, and then I thought it was Crucible. But now was I a- have he was, an, he was an American spy in the Revolutionary War. <laughs> I was close. So he was executed like twenty. He was executed like twenty-one years old. And he, he was a spy for the British or the Americans? Uh, for the Americans. Oh, I was thinking of Alan Hale Jr. <laughs> so, so <laughs> he was what, the skipper. What, what, <laughs> okay, but what? All right, all right, so obviously they chose the name Nathan on purpose, and then they have the last name Hale. Right, but he was captured. He was captured by the British and executed. But well, again, just Westworld. because it's 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 just like a name that's calling back to revolution. Gotcha. You know the 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 what pity it is that we can die but once to serve our country. Yeah, that's a good one, Mike. That was a good catch. Um, it may just be coincidence because, again, Charlotte Hale's name was already out there, so they right. already had the name, name name Hale. But I can't imagine, you know, when they were saying, "What's a, you know, we need a name for the son." Yeah, Nathan wouldn't be one that you would think of. Not well, necessarily. The, the idea—it's a name that's associated with, at least in the United States, it's a name that's associated with the revolution. Right. Right. Here I was hoping to that that you you would have a few minutes to do more exposition on real world history and, and annoy the hell out of Eric. Fuck that! Let's get out of here. Yeah, I, I have nothing to add to that, Mike. <laughs> I've, All I, right, I, I've forgotten and, and got it confused with with uh, literature. A three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. All right, uh, so, so let's, let's uh, give our final thoughts on the episode. Um, so uh, why don't you start, Eric? Um, I'm tired of this Charlotte Hill mystery bullshit. We need an answer next episode. Um, other than that, I am enjoying the show and uh, and look forward to finding out what happens next. All right, very good. Uh, for me, um, yeah, I think it was the weakest of the three episodes so far, uh, though it had some interesting things, specifically like uh, we were discussing uh, the prediction of the future and of Caleb's life and how he's stuck in this loop that just keeps him back. And also uh, what I, I still am curious about is it, whether it's DNA, steroids, or 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 hormones or whatever. And the pearl inside of Charlotte can't deal with that because it's like, how could a host body 
have memories or intelligence. So I'm thinking that maybe they're they're going where the brain of the computer gets confused by the host that it's in if it's not the host that was originally designed by them for them. So that'll be curious to see too. But besides those two aspects, um, it was it was probably the weakest though. Uh, even though uh, Dolores was was, was uh, totally awesome in this episode, uh, whenever she was on, uh, Mike. I kind of thought it was on par with the first two episodes. I had not as much fun as I think the the second episode was, you know, just tonally uh, was was a different thing. But it's, again, adding some pieces to the mystery and it did give us some forward momentum. And so, again, I'm looking forward to where we go with this next week. Uh, One thing I didn't realize, apparently this is only going to be an eight episode season. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're right. Is that true? Really? That's what I heard. That's what I read somewhere. So we'll see. So and that's, if that's the case, then next week gets us to the halfway point. Right. Right. Uh, so the season's getting an 82 percent uh, good reviews on uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, at the moment, um, which is which is good. Um, but it's not as high as, as uh, some uh, shows like in the 90s have been, such as those like better call Saul. Ozark size of season three, ninety six percent. But um, all in all, um, it, it looks cool. I, I did like the, the the ambulance hijacking though. That was a cool like throw a shoot 'em up. That was that was pretty solid. Um, He's never gonna let you go, Eric. So let's wrap it up. So Eric, uh, I guess we can uh, say good night, and uh, you know we'll be back next week. But uh, Eric, why don't you uh, leave us out? All right, thanks for tuning in. Let's talk about Season 3, Episode 3. We'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.